That's a beautiful, beautiful song. And the truth that we just heard is something that we want to keep in the forefront of our minds, that God is our strength. He's the source of our strength and he's the strength of our life because that really is what we need to do what we're going to be talking about today. Because today we're in the third week of our series, The Blessed Life, and we're going to be talking about how we can make God the greatest priority in our life, number one, not just in the area of our finances, but really in our entire life. And this is impossible for us to do by ourselves, and that's why we need God's help. Because if you and I are honest, God isn't number one in our lives, not in every area. Because every single day there are other things competing for that spot. And many of these things are good things, like family and friends and career, and as we're gonna be focusing on today, our finances as well. And the reason why God wants to be number one in our lives isn't because he's an egomaniac and he always has to win, but rather because he understands that when he occupies that top spot, that everything else is able to fall into place. And so right now we're gonna hear a beautiful song that really talks about this. And during this song, all of us should have received a sort of like a note card like this when we walked in. And as we're taking in this song, we'd love for you, all of us, to, a to ask ourselves the question of what is something, what is one thing in our life that we can move aside so that we could create more room for Jesus? And as words come to mind, we'd love for you to just write them down on this index card. So let's step into this moment together.
message is a powerful thought, how to make room for Jesus so that he could be number one. And as I was listening to that song, the word that came to mind this weekend for me is the word ambition, that rather than me chasing after the things that I desire, my goals, my dreams, my comfort, my success, that what would it look like for me to have a holy ambition? And if I move that aside in my life, there's gonna be a whole lot more room for Jesus in my life. And so that's the word that I wrote down. And so if you wrote down a word or words or a phrase or whatever it is on that card, we'd love for you this weekend or this week, this coming week, to just put that in a prominent place. It might be somewhere around your home. It might be on your bathroom mirror, just taping it on there. It might be at your desk at work, wherever it is. And so as we move throughout our week, that we could be able to see that card and to be reminded to make room, to move that aside in order so that God could have a more prominent place in our life. And so let's bow our heads and pray. So God, we thank you. We thank you that you desire to be number one, not lower down the list, but number one, understanding that when you occupy that place in our life, Lord, that we are able to live the life, more of the life that you created us to live. So God, I pray that as not only today, but as we go throughout our week, the coming week, Lord, remind us of this, God, to make room for you and so that you could truly occupy the place that you deserve. And so we thank you for your care for us and we pray these things in your name, amen. So how's everybody doing today? Good, awesome. I see a lot more people, and I saw this at the 9 a.m. service too, I see a lot more people with coffee cups today. And obviously it's because we're a little, just a little bit more sleep deprived, right? Am I right? Absolutely. But I want to welcome all of you here. For those of you who are watching via stream, grateful wherever you are watching from that you have a good cup of coffee, coffee in your hand as well. And so what we're going to do as we continue on in the service is we're going to receive our offering right at the top. And so ushers, I want to invite you to come forward to receive that. And if you're a guest here with us, let me first say welcome. We are so glad that you are here, but this does not have to be your moment. But if you would like to give, there are several ways that you can do so. And one of them is the offering bags that are going to be coming around in a moment. And the other three are really online options, which if you are watching um, via stream, that you can participate in this as well. And you you can give via our website, our app, or by texting the word Kensington to 77977 as well. And if you're a guest with us, we would love to meet you. And so after the service, if you have a moment, we'd love for you to drop by a place that we have out in the lobby called The Hub, and you'll see people out there with bright orange shirts on. And we'd love to answer any questions that you may have, and also, if you're interested, to help you find next steps in our community. But right now, we are in the third week of our series, The Blessed Life. And this series is really based off of the book by a pastor, by this, uh, off of a book by the same title called The Blessed Life. And it was written by a pastor down in Texas named Robert Morris. And he has given these messages really all across the country. And it has, a has had a huge impact on people moving from doing this with their resources to now more of this. And for this series, we're also thankful for Brian Tome and Crossroads Church down in Cincinnati because they are a fantastic community. Brian's a phenomenal leader. They're really like our sister church, and they've had an influence on this series as well. But two weeks ago, when we kicked off this series, what we looked at is that we really focused on the question of what does it look like for us to live a blessed and generous life? And we came to the conclusion that generosity and giving really is a matter of the heart. 
And we focused on Jesus' words that are recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, where he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus was telling us that what we value, what we ascribe worth to, what we invest in, that's where we will find our heart. And what God desires is that he desires that our heart would be in greater alignment with his. Because when that happens is that we're really living in the sweet spot and we are able to experience more of what God wants us to experience in our life, the more the fullness of life. And then last week, Danny continued on in our series by talking about that tithing, which means giving 10% of our income to God. That's an everyday test. It's a test as to whether we will choose to trust God, choose to trust that he knows what we need and actually will come through for us. But we also looked at the fact that tithing isn't something that's extraordinary, but rather it's something that's ordinary. It's not something that superstar Jesus followers do and then the rest of us, hey, you know what? We don't have to worry about it. But rather what Jesus told us is that if you are my follower, this is how I want you to live. It's something for all of us. And what's so important for us to keep in mind and to be reminded of and to understand is that when it comes to tithing, tithing isn't for God's benefit because God has never ever said in the history of the world, Bob, I really, really need you to give this week or else I have no idea how I'm gonna pay my angels this pay period. He has never ever said that, but rather it's for our benefit so that we would be able to experience more of his joy more of his power, more of his freedom because we're not so tied to and under the influence of money. And so as we continue on in this third week in this series, we're gonna be talking about a very important principle and it's the principle of the first. And this is the truth that we're gonna be focusing on. That when God is first in our lives, everything comes into order. But when God is not first in our lives, everything is out of order. Of order. And many of us, we've experienced this in other areas of our life, in that probably for all of us here, at some point, you have been, you've had a crazy morning, and maybe that morning was this morning, and that your kids were cranky, you were grumpy, you were late, and doing all of that. And then you were starting to get dressed, and maybe you were wearing a sort of a button up shirt, sort of like this, and then you're in a rush, and things are going crazy, and people are asking you for things, and you're just, and you're not in front of a mirror, and you start buttoning your shirt. And what you find is, is that suddenly you look in the mirror and find that your shirt looks something like this. It's out of order. Your buttons are misaligned. And that's because at some point you put one button in the wrong place. And what happened was, is that the rest of the buttons then followed suit. Anyone actually show up to work like this ever? Ever? Come on, some of us, thank you for being honest. All right, most of us have. But the thing is, it's similar in life as well, in different areas of our life. Because when one area of our life is out of order, is misaligned, and it could be with our family, our friends, our finances, it could be in regards to our time, our talents, whatever it is, when one area of our life is out of order, the rest tend to follow suit. And our life begins to look like this, out of order. And that's why order is so important. And that's why this principle of the first is so important as well. And I'm gonna realign my buttons because for those of you who have OCD, you're not gonna hear anything I have to say. You're just gonna be like, man, I wish he would just fix his buttons. I know what you're thinking because I would be thinking the exact same thing. 
So I'm going to do this. And so we're going to jump into the scriptures. And the first, we're going to be looking at several scriptures today. And the first, it comes from the second book in the Bible. And it's called the book of Exodus. And this is what God said to his people about this in, in this principle of order. And he says to them, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beasts, is mine. And so God was telling his people, the very firstborn, he or she belongs to me. So I want you to give him or her to me. And so pop quiz, the firstborn lamb, whose was it? God's, exactly. The firstborn donkey, whose was it? The firstborn child of the family, whose was it? God's. And this didn't just apply to flocks and family. This also applied to the harvest as well. Because God also said to his people, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And we don't really use that word first fruits anymore. And what that word means is, is that the first portion of the harvest, God said, it belongs to me. I want you to bring it to me. And for the people of God who were living back during this time, the currency that they operated in were, were animals and crops because they were an agrarian society. So most of the people were basically farmers and shepherds. And of course, today our currency is different. We operate in the realm of dollars and cents. But this principle of the firstborn and of the first fruits still applies to us today. Because God says the very first portion of what you have the very first portion of your income, of your profit, that belongs to me. And so what exactly does that mean for us today, for us living in the year 2020? And my family and I, we live over in Rochester Hills, and we've been currently living in our house for about a year and a half. So slowly but surely, I'm starting to hire people to come and fix my house because I can't do it myself. And so one of the things that we have on our list, something that we have to do this summer because a lot of experts have told us that we have to do this, is that we have to fix our chimneys. Because I have been told that if there is a big windstorm, they could potentially fall down. So good news, right? And so imagine you are my mason. And so I hire you and you come over and you take a look at my, actually before I hire you, come over and you look at my chimney and you say, yes, they're in bad shape, right? You need to fix them or they're going to fall down. And so you tell me and you give me a price and I say, that's a great price. And we agree that you're going to fix my chimneys. And so you come over later on that week with your team and you beautify my chimneys and you strengthen them so now they can withstand hurricane force winds. And after you're done, I give you what I owe you. And so because you're a smart business person, what you do is you take the money and you divide some of it out. And you say, hey, you know what? I have to cover my, the cost of my materials. So this is what I'm going to lay aside for that. And then you realize you have to pay your team, your employees. And so you lay aside some money for that. And then you realize after all that is said and done is that you have a profit. You made a profit of $1,000. And so you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. And so let me ask you a question on this, right? So you have $1,000. Let me ask you, the first question is, how much is the tithe? 10%. So what is that? $100, right. I recognize it's daylight savings. And I'm looking at some of you and you're funny. You're like looking up and you're thinking, I got to divide by 10. That means carry the one. It's okay. You're good at other things. But let me ask you another question. Which one is the tithe? 
The first one, exactly. It's the first one to leave our hand. It's the first one to leave our bank account. And so imagine if I go home and I say, oh, you know what? I know I have to pay taxes on this. I haven't paid taxes yet. And so you say, I better set aside some for that. And so you do that. And then you recognize that you've you got to pay your mortgage and you, that's coming up soon. And so you lay aside some for that. You have kids and they have to eat and they eat a lot. And so you set aside a lot for that. And then you realize, oh yeah, that trip to Disneyland, they want to go there. And so I have to keep saving for that. And then you have one more $100 bill in your hand and you say, oh yeah, God, I'm going to give that to you. Let me ask you, is this the tithe? Is this God's part? And the answer is no. Because the tithe is the first. And the first we already gave away to Uncle Sam. Because what's so important to understand is that the tithe must be first. It must be first. And it doesn't have to be this legalistic thing where we think, oh, oh my goodness, I bought a cup of coffee first and I didn't give to God first. And so everything is cursed. It's not like that at all. But rather what God wants, what it represents when we give first to God is that it represents the position of our heart. And the heart is what he desires. And this is the reason why God wants the tithe to be first. And most of us have heard the budgeting principle, pay yourself first, exactly. All of us have heard that. But what God says is something different. He says, give to me first. And again, the reason why God wants to be first isn't because he's this egomaniac and he always has to be first. He always has to win. That's not it at all but rather because of what the tithe represents. Because the tithe is an act of trust. Because what God said in those two passages that we read previously, that talked about crops and animals, God told his people that the very firstborn animal, I want you to give to me. He didn't say, hey guys, after you have like 10 lambs, feel free to give me one and just make sure it's the best one. That's not what he said. He said, give me the firstborn. And they had no idea whether they would have a hundred more or whether they had, wouldn't have any more. That's why it was a step of faith. And when, in regards to crops, he said, I want you to give me the first part. And just as I have provided this first part, I want you to trust that I will give you everything else. And so what this means for you and I living in this year, in the 21st century is, is that before we pay any of our bills, before we do anything else, that we would give God to God first. And when we do that, we are making a powerful statement, a powerful declaration. We are saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust that you know what I need, what's coming down the road, and that you will provide in every single way. Because when it comes to the tithe, the tithe is ultimately not about money, but it's about building our faith. That when we have no idea what is going to happen in our life, Continuing to say, God, here you go. I bring you what belongs to you. I bring you the first 10%. And in bringing this, saying, I trust you. And that's the very definition of faith that's present in the scriptures. Because how the scriptures define faith is like this. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And this is the part, being convinced of what we do not see. And I grew up in the Korean church, going to a Korean church. And there, just like every other church, 
on this planet, there's a lot of brokenness, there's a lot of dysfunction in the Korean church. I can tell you crazy stories of things that have happened, the police having to be called to break up fights at leaders' meetings, crazy things like this. But at the same time, in the midst of the brokenness, there is so much beauty as well. And I love the heart that Koreans have for prayer. I've never seen any other people group, I'm sure there are, but Koreans are so incredibly passionate and committed to prayer. And I'm convinced that you can go also, Koreans are willing to do anything to go anywhere to communicate the message of Jesus. And I'm convinced that you can go to any place on this earth, no matter how remote, and you can just walk around for a little bit and you're going to run into a Korean missionary and they're going to invite you over to their house and in the evening you're going to be eating kimchi with them. I'm just convinced of that. But one of the things that's so incredibly beautiful about the, the church that I grew up in was that people were so generous. And some of them were, and many of them were extravagantly generous and just so open-handed with what they had. And so this whole principle of generosity and really of tithing was modeled from me, for me at a very young age. And I saw the beauty that came from that, not just in the lives of the people who gave, but also in what we as a community were able to do to impact the lives of the people around us. And so you would have thought that tithing... No big deal for me because it was modeled for me. It was shown to me at such a young age. But that's not the case because I struggled with it for so many years. And one of the factors that played into it was my upbringing and my family. Because my parents, they immigrated from Korea to Canada and they came with very little. And then my dad, who was a full-time student for so many years, right, about, right as he was about to graduate that he was diagnosed with cancer and then he passed away and I was four and our family had even less. And my mom, she's one of my heroes and she worked so hard to make ends meet for our family. But at the same time, I knew as a young child that things were so tight for us. And I knew just, just compared to my friends that I was in a different situation because I grew up in government assisted housing. And so I would go over to their house and then I would come home and I would just instinctively know things are different, things are tighter. And we heard Dave Wilson's story last week about his journey of tithing. And Dave Wilson is one of our co-founders. He's our lead pastor at our Orion campus. And similar to him, I resonated with his story so much because growing up, because we had so little, I held on very, very tightly to what I had. And so when I grew up, still held on tightly. When I started making money, I was so afraid that if I actually gave money away, that I wouldn't have enough for not only myself, but also my family as well. So tithing, Pfft, forget about it. That wasn't going to happen because I was so afraid. And I was holding on like this. But at the core of it was, an, was, it was trust. That was the core issue. I simply did not trust God that he would come through for me. But what began to shift things slowly but surely for me was that the people around me, not everybody, but a handful of my friends, I saw them actually do this and not just simply tithe but really for some of them to go above and beyond and to live a life of generosity and one of them is my wife Robin she's one of the most generous people I know and I saw what they did in their life and how every single week every single time they needed anything that God would come through and I saw them experience God in different ways and in powerful ways and I looked at their life and I said, you know what? That's what I want to experience. That's what I want for my life as well. I want to know God in this way. And I, I said to myself, I want to get off the sidelines and I want to get in the game. 
But what freaked me out was, was that I knew that if that was the life that I wanted, that I had to do something incredibly scary. I had to take that step of faith and I had to begin to give and I had to begin to tithe. And I wish I could tell you, hey, you know what? It just happened one night. I went from zero to 10% and life was great, but that's not what happened. That'd be a total lie. Over, my journey was over the course of several years in that at one point I would take one step, maybe a percent or two. And then a couple months, maybe a year later, I would take another step and then another step and then another step until I got to that 10% and I found myself tithing. And during that journey, I found that it was incredible. God showed up for me in incredible ways and I experienced that journey probably mostly in my 20s. And I got to that place and I saw God show up for me in just new ways, in different ways than I have ever experienced him before. And so maybe for some of you, you're in that place today. And really the heart of this series is that, that we would just take another step. And maybe for some of us, you're in the place that I was many years ago. And that right now you're not giving anything. But what would it look like for you then to then take that next step of faith and to give something? And if you're in that place where you are giving something, what would it look like for you to then take that next step and to tithe? And if you are tithing, what would it look like for you to ask God, God, what would it look like for me to live a life of generosity and take that next step? Because at the core of this principle of tithing is this question. Will we trust him? Will we trust God? Will you trust God? Will I trust God in this area of our lives? When all of those bills are staring us in the face, when we look down the road and there's so much uncertainty, there are so many questions, and frankly, like I had, maybe you experienced the same thing, there is fear there. Will we trust him? Because once again, it's a matter of the heart. And whether we're willing to trust God in this area of our finances says so much about whether we're willing to trust him with our lives. The tithe must be first. But something else that all of us have experienced is that we've all experienced some of the fruits of our labor being taken from us without us really having much choice in the matter. And I grew up in Canada and I grew up in Vancouver, the most beautiful city on earth, not the fake Vancouver in Washington state. This is the real Vancouver in Canada. That's where I grew up. And I remember in my 20s, I got my first job in the U.S., and so I was working at a college out in the Minneapolis area and um, in the Minneapolis area, and it was an incredible job, but it didn't pay a whole lot. And so I remember I had, we had agreed on a number, so I knew what my salary was. And so I calculated it out and I thought, hey, you know what? These are gonna be my deductions. And so I did all the math, estimated it, and I thought I was correct. And then I looked at our expenses and I was thinking, you know what, this is not gonna work. And so we ended up cutting a lot of things out of our life. But I thought, you know what, these numbers are going to line up. And then I saw my first paycheck and I remember exactly where I was on campus when I opened that piece of paper. And when I saw that number, I remember thinking to myself, where did the rest of my money go? And I looked at all the deductions and I <laughs> said to myself, who is FICA? And FICA took a ton of my money. Where's my money? And if you've ever seen the Friends episode, I was ex it was exactly like Rachel. Who is FICA and why is he getting all my money? That's exactly how I respond. That's exactly what was going through my mind. I didn't know who FICA was. 
But and I was thinking about this recently. What's so interesting about God is that unlike our government, he doesn't just swoop in and take what belongs to him. But rather what God does is that he wants us to offer, to bring our tithe, to bring to him what belongs to him. And we actually read this in a previous verse earlier in that it says, God said this to his people, the best of the first fruits of your ground, you shall bring into the house of the Lord. And the reason why God tells us to bring it instead of rather than to give it is simply because we can't give what's not ours. Everything belongs to God. And so he says, bring me what belongs to me and offer it to me. And what's so interesting is that the reason why God doesn't just take, what, take the tithe from us is because he wants us to choose obedience. He wants us to choose. He doesn't want to force us, but he rather wants us to choose to put him as a higher priority in our life because it really is, comes down to in so many ways about priorities. And I love what this one pastor down in Texas named Jack Graham had to say. And he said, the purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first in our lives. God doesn't need, and I would even say God, does, God doesn't need our money. Instead, he wants what our money represents, our priorities, our passions, and our purposes. And again, it comes back to the heart. Everything comes back, it seems like, to the very first week of this series where we looked at that verse, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Because what God is primarily, God's not primarily concerned about what's going on out here, but rather he's primarily concerned about what's going on in here. He's not primarily concerned about our actions. He's primarily concerned about our attitude because he understands that when he has this, everything else in our life will follow. And so last week, we introduced our community to something called the tithe test, where we invited, where we, where we challenged every single one of us, we're challenged, including myself, to put God to the test in this area of our life. And that's what it says in the Old Testament book of Malachi. God specifically says, I want you to put me to the test in this area. And so we presented this. And so I'm going to talk about this again in a few moments. But before I do, we also wanted to hear from another one of our leaders about their journey with the tithe. Last week, we heard Dave Wilson share a little bit of his story. And today, we're going to be hearing from another one of our leaders, Justin Warns. And I love what he has to say. Because tithing has not only impacted him, but it's also impacted his family. So let's take a look together. My journey with the tithe uh, began later in life. I grew up in a family that didn't talk about faith very much. And so obviously we didn't end up talking about tithing either. And as I started to come to church and experience uh, a life with Jesus, um, this perspective started to open up for me when it came to my finances and the treasures in my life. And I remember a mentor sitting down with me and opening up his checkbook and his calendar to show me how he lived his life. And it was in that conversation that I wrestled with, how do you spend your money differently when you follow Jesus and you experience his grace and his hope? And it was through that conversation and questions and that friendship that I began to understand the opportunity that God invites us to with this idea of the tithe. And it began to shape the future of my family. So when Jenny and I got married and we started to talk about our faith and our finances, we started to wrestle with this area of how do we live this out, not only for ourselves, but for our kids 
kids and for our future. And I remember being so thankful that somebody walked alongside of me so that I would move from a person who was tipping every once in a while and periodically giving to becoming a percentage giver in our community. And um, one of the things that I noticed as I began to do that is I didn't feel a sense of loss or regret or that I missed out on anything, but rather I started to see my gratitude for life and my gratefulness for the, the things that we had in our life increase. And so now with our, with our four kids, as we talk about living a life of generosity, we've invited them into the very same conversation that we've been having over these years of how do we use our life and our resources for kingdom impact and seeing their lights shine in, at the moments where they bring their finances to support not only the church, but the movement of God going forward has been one of the greatest joys of my life. And so my invitation to you is whether you've been a person who's been tipping, periodically giving, or you have been a percentage giver, that you would lean into this opportunity of the tithe and see what God not only does in you, but does in your family and for the generations beyond. I believe it's one of the most blessed aspects of our faith and one of the most blessed aspects of my life. And I invite you to join us in it. And I love what his, uh, Justin and his wife Jenny have done because this is not something that they just live out by themselves, but they believe that it's so important, that it's so transformative that they've also taught their children to do the same. And Justin actually shared this last week at our Birmingham campus. But what they have for each one of their children is that they have three jars. And the first jar is labeled give. And that is what goes to God. And the second jar is labeled save. And the last jar is labeled spend. And it's in that order for a very specific and intentional reason. And so whenever their children get any money, the very first thing that they do is that they place a third of it in the give jar. And they bring it and they offer it to God. And then the second third, they put it in the save jar. And then the last third, they put it in the spend jar. And what's interesting to me is that they could just, as their parents, they could just say, when their kids get any money, they could just say, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna take some right off the top and this is your tithe. But that's not what they do. Because like God, they wait for them to offer it and they've taught them to do this. And so their children take a third and they just place it in the jar and they bring it to God. And it's not even 10% because they're at 33%, even 33%, even more than 33%. But they have taught their children to live out the very principles we are talking about today. They're living out the tithe test, that they're testing God. And God, every single time thus far, has proved that he has come through, that he is faithful. And so this is something that we are challenging us as a community to do, to engage in this tithe test. And what it is, it's that we are asking, we are inviting you into a journey that for the next 90 days, would you consider giving 10% of your income to bringing 10% of your income to God and to see what he does in your life, the incredible things, the new things, the new ways that he is able to move in your life for us to experience that as a community. And this is the other caveat. At the end of those 90 days, if you say, hey, you know what? Nothing happened, right? I didn't see God do anything. No new movement, nothing happened. Just come back to us and say that, that nothing happened and that no questions asked. Everything that you gave, we will give back to you. But my thought is, is that something, God, that God, you will see, we will see God move in new ways. Because whenever our desire 
is to give God a higher place, a greater place in our life, that he shows up for us. And that when we put him as a higher priority and open ourselves up to him more and more, we are able to experience different things, new things, more powerful things with God. And so I believe that that will happen if you choose to embark on this journey. And something that we want to say is that this is something for all of us to think about, to pray about, and also to have conversations with our family about. And we'd love for you, when you're talking about this as a family, to also invite your children into the conversation. Because I think it's so important for us to teach our children and to pass on to them how to handle God's resources in a God-honoring way. And let me also say that this is truly, this is not between us and Kensington. This is between us and God. And so however you believe that God is leading you in that moment, that is what we desire. If it's to join this challenge, great. If it's not, that's great as well. But if you choose to jump in, I believe that you will experience something very similar to what I've experienced as well, just God moving in new and powerful ways because we have a desire to say, God, I want you, I want to put you first in this area of my life. And so let's bow our heads and let's pray. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you desire to be first and it's not for your benefit, it's for ours so that we can experience more of who you are. And so God, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that you challenge us in this way, God. And so we pray that as we think about this area of our life, that we would just take a greater step towards you, whatever that looks like for us here. Whether it's moving from not giving anything to something, something to tithing or tithing to living a life of greater generosity, wherever we are on that journey, God, we pray that we would choose to take that step of faith. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you come through, God, and that we can trust you. And so we thank you when we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I'd invite anyone.